Hello, I'm Lorraine Keeley. Hi guys and welcome to the latest Iris podcast, a place where we celebrate and love and spill that piping hot tea, mama, on all things LGBTQ+. I'm your podcaster, your host, and clearly didn't get enough attention as a child, Kide. I'll just be here to give you validation. That's That can be my role in this conversation. If you knew my friends, that would be so helpful to me. So if you could just occasionally through this interview, just keep telling me how much you love That's me. That's so fine. Yeah, I love you. Thank you so That's much. Really I love okay. you too. Yeah. Well, he's already basically interview, <laughs> interviewed, introduced himself. So I'll give him a little introduction. Today with us, we have Marco, whose film Pompeii has been shortlisted for Best British Short, supported by Film 4. The winner of the Iris podcast, the winner of the Iris podcast, I'm the winner of the Iris podcast. <laughs> the winner of Best British Show will receive services for the next film by Pinewood Studios and get a UK-wide audience on through Film 4 on all four. So, hi Marco. Hello. How are you doing? I'm really well, thanks. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm really good, thank you. Thank you for coming to my house. To meet Casa. Honestly, it's stunning. I, was, I think I'm going to have to redesign mine because I've realised how substandard it is next to this. Yeah, I feel that for you. <laughs> <laughs> Where have you Red come from? I just got here. Give Red, me 10 minutes. I told you. Yeah. Party, mama. <laughs> so, where have you come down from today? I have come from London. Yes. And it was a dreamy journey. I'd recommend it to everyone. I had this impression that coming from London to Cardiff was going to be a significant journey, but honestly, it felt like 40 minutes, some nice views, some lovely trolley people offering me tea, and uh, here I am. Well, that's great. That sounds like a lovely journey. Delicious. Are you from London as well? I am from London, yeah. Whereabouts, if you don't mind telling people that's so they so can fine. stalk you? If, yeah, sure. Well, if you want to stalk me, my address, yeah, no. Um, <laughs> I, um, I kind of moved all over the place. Uh, at the moment, I live in Islington, which is dreamy. The, and that's the blue one on Monopoly. Yeah, nice. See? It is. Absolutely. Yeah, North London. It's lovely. Come along. We can... Do a podcast over there. I'll figure out something to talk about. <laughs> just talk yeah, about. Yeah. <laughs> just keep spilling tea. Right. Endless tea. <laughs> so I like to have a more relaxed feel to my interview. So I kind of treat them like speed dating. Okay. If that's okay for you. Yeah, no. And I feel like it's the best way to find out if we vibe and like, you know, just get each other comfortable. So I'm okay. just going to ask you some questions. Um, so fine. Nothing too personal. Um, maybe, but. I just feel like I'm learning a lot about you that for you, speed dating involves you interviewing someone. Yes. Because that's, I don't think. It does. I have a lot of criteria to check. Sure. What's your credit score? What's your blood type? Can you save me in an accident? <laughs> I. Okay, yeah. I, those things are kind of all the same question, I think. Anyway, sorry, yeah, you well, do your speed question. No, yeah. it's fine. You clearly want to do this. <laughs> <laughs> so, first question, which rings so true to me what star sign are you? Oh, Aries. Are you? Yeah. Oh, you did a like, uh oh. <laughs> what star sign are you? I'm a Scorpio, obviously the best. Okay, fine. Okay. Scorpio would say that. Yeah, they would, but mm. an Aries would think that Scorpio would say that. Okay, right. <laughs> You've got me there. Yes. No, Aries is a good sign. They're very like, um, they're good leaders and um, they're good at getting like shit done. Yeah, so, that's that, that's because they're a ram, right? Yes, so they, they yeah, just ram into everything. That's it. Take that as you will, people who are listening. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, He's not single, guys, so. Yeah, sorry. But he's also not wrong. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> I hate myself. <laughs> no, don't we all? Yeah. This Isn't is that true. why we're here? Yeah, um, next question that I have for you. What is the most embarrassing thing that you've ever done or has happened to you? Oh, man. Oh. Are there just so many? Yeah. No, I'm just like drowning in, in traumatic, embarrassing memories. And shame. 
mostly shame. What's the most embarrassing? Can you? What's the most embarrassing that's happened to you? I need a second. And you've asked the question, which means that something embarrassing has happened to you. That do you know what? This hasn't happened to me yet, where someone's flipped go. it around on me, and this is really stressful. <laughs> um, I think the most embarrassing thing that has happened to I don't get embarrassed that easily. I'm like shameless. That's why you feel comfortable asking that question. Yeah, and mainly because, like, I do so many embarrassing things that if it was going to bother me by now, I would have, like, just locked myself in a hole. Sure. Yeah. Well, I've actually spent the last five years in a hole I locked myself in due to embarrassing things I did prior to that moment. So, like, sharing it might risk me having to go back into the hole for a while, and I've just got out. Like, I'd rather not. Yeah, I get that. PTSD. Yeah. Probably, the answer's probably something to do with performance. I used to, I was in a singing group, and um, there was... Actually, okay, it's a bit, yeah, so I was um, covering someone else's solo, and um, it's in front of, it was on a kind of campus tour, so we're in the US, and there were like hundreds of people that I'd never seen before, and they'd kind of kindly come to sit and watch us sing, and I was covering this guy's solo, and it's the first time I was doing it, and I got cocky and thought I could sing higher than him, and so there's this like big super extra moment where like, um, I, you slide up a note, like slowly, and then hit that top note, and like hold it for a while, and I was like really milking it, taking my time, like halfway up this note, and then realized I just wasn't gonna get there. <laughs> so I kind of, I was like just really slowing that, like, ah, and just kind of like taking my time and slowing down more and more until I had to just stop. <laughs> and like, like everyone was watching, wait for the moment, stopped and started again, and just did a different version of it. And I just, I, I mean, I never did that solo again, but I wanted to die. And then I moved into the hole, and I, yeah. I see yeah, the progression yeah. so now. So that was the like the straw that broke right, the camel's back. Exactly. I mean, we've all been there. We've all backed ourselves more than we that's the one. absolutely should. Yeah. But and my last question, it, just so you know, this is going quite well. I'm okay. already thinking of oh, second date. Great, I'm so excited. What is your favorite thing about yourself? Oh my gosh, um, what is my favorite thing about myself? Everyone always like struggles with this question, but because we we are bred to hate ourselves. Exactly, but I feel like. Well, I'd like to encourage people to say more nice things about themselves. Yeah. You know what? It's my, my, okay, I'm going to go LGBT on this. Yeah, go for I it. I think it's like having come into my campness and who I am and all of that stuff, you know? Like yeah. it takes them in and you're told as a kid that that's not how you should act. And so I've got there and I've kind of got to that moment finally where the other day someone heckled me and said, to me and my boyfriend whilst we're walking down the street, um, they start calling us batty boys. And we were both there not even anxious anymore we were just like yes <laughs> and they were like you batty boys and we were like uh, yeah yes yeah yeah hi and no. like just no longer i was like i'm fully i've got over that hump i'm fine now so that i'm proud of that that's, there you go <clears throat> that's a good that's really good that's lush and also doesn't it, it's such a horrible like stigmatism that like if you're gay you can't be camp like that right or, or you can't be masculine yeah. why can't you be all of it and none of it and just yeah. sit where you want i think this is really hard i think people you know um it's it's also there's I think there's the the practice sorry the theory of kind of recognizing what being femme means and like kind of gender performance and all that stuff and recognizing things are constructs and you should act how you want to act and then there's the lived experience of actually being like I am completely comfortable and I'm not going to be made to feel uncomfortable because of the fact that this isn't how everyone else in this room is expecting me to act or these are strangers and they're being like oh okay you're that person and I'm I've actually I just don't care anymore. Good. Which is great. Uh, Slash, uh, I'm proud. I actively care. I'm proactive about it. <laughs> so you care and don't care. It's now, it's, I guess it's it's now become my answer to what's your favorite thing about you. There you go. Good. No, it was, it was a great answer. Yeah. And also gives me a really nice segue without me having to try too hard about now talking about your film, <laughs> which is great because we're talking about uh, constructs in the gay right. community. Yeah, so yeah. let's segue. <laughs> sure. So 
Pompey, what was your inspiration behind making the film? What was it that you felt that you wanted to achieve with it? Right, yes. So um, there's a couple different entry points into making that film. Um, so first of all, I guess to uh, people that haven't seen it or um, haven't heard about it or anything, um, it's Pompey was made with multiple directors. Um, it's quite kind of unconventionally shot. Um, most of it's on an iPhone with some gorgeous 16 millimeter stuff shot by the incredible Molly Manning Walker um, as a kind of device that uh, ties everything together. Um, so when we approached the film, when we kind of first began thinking about it, um, it was it was all uh, kicked off by Harry Lighton, who is one of my co-directors. And um, he, we were all at London Film Festival uh, a couple of years ago. And uh, Harry and I had a film in there. Matt was doing the uh, the flair mentorship scheme and um, was there in that capacity. And we were all having the best time. And we're thinking, oh, we really, none of us have films in the works that we can then apply for the next year's London Film Festival with. So like, you know, what can we maybe think of something fun to do together in a kind of guerrilla way that would just like give us a shot at applying and being in the festival again. And so that's how Harry kind of kicked off this idea that we'd work together. And then in terms of the actual content of the film, um, a dear friend of ours, uh, Tam Gubadia or Tamari Gubadia, uh, wrote an article uh, for ID about um, uh, his experience of uh, being rejected at the door to a club in uh, London called XXL, which is actually now closed. But um, I think they're trying to reopen. More on that later. Um, and uh, he was rejected uh, from at the door uh, essentially for presenting to Femme uh, for this like a supposedly queer space and um, that we found that kind of for the obvious reasons that's pretty horrendous and problematic and um, we wanted to explore that idea of uh, the kind of even though queer you know we want queer spaces to be safe spaces and uh, they're designed to bring together community and stuff um, to kind of shine a little bit of a light or explore um, what it means to be marginalized within a space within that kind of space um, what those microaggressions look like um, so that was kind of so what Tam's article explores and we uh, took that as our our uh, launch pad sweet that's, that's great that was so much information <laughs> to take in at one I'm just like sort of reeling from yeah. It. Um, yeah so it sounds like there was so much that went into it and like a lot of thought behind it obviously because it's a great film it is a really good film oh, by the way guys really kind of you, um, but a lot of like um different sort of experiences and different ideas were um, went into it. Um, just going back to the phone, why was the choice that you wanted to film it on a phone for, or have that look to it? Yeah, well, so, I mean, firstly, it was just that we, we, we just wanted to jump straight into it and we didn't have any funding. Um, it was produced by Sarah Bacon uh, from Try Hard Films uh, and she was incredible at kind of mobilising us and making this all happen and... Um, but uh, we kind of all agreed initially that we wanted to do something that was quite light on its feet and um, experimental. And so we, the first uh, kind of shoot we did as part of the film was um, on Halloween, your birthday, I believe. <laughs> See, first date smash. <laughs> You've read my Grindr profile. Thank you oh so much. <laughs> you share too much on yeah, your Grindr really profile. Do. You didn't, that's not, don't give people that information. Um, <laughs> How will they send me gifts? Yeah, fine. No fine. one sends me gifts. Oh, Please send really me sorry. things. Yeah, so everyone, um, it's birthday's Halloween. <laughs> so just note to audience. Um, yeah, the so on Halloween, uh, two years ago, we grouped together, um, I can't remember now, like 10, 10, 15 uh, pals of ours. Um, and uh, we kind of, yeah, 
gathered this like little queer mob and paid for everyone to get into um, a club night, a drag night on Halloween in London and um, told everyone to basically film, do a really extra Instagram story style kind of film of their night out. Mm -hmm. So just to document as much as they could on their phones. We kind of upgraded everyone's phones so that they were like filming the highest quality their phones could and all of that stuff. And then just said, honestly, go out and have the most fun you can. do you know be you um but just yeah kind of be conscious of recording stuff and um allow the kind of narrative arc of your night to just play out as it will and we'll see what we come up with and so we were kind of just that was that was the idea and so we ended up with just you know hours and hours of like 15 second clips (laughs) from uh this night out and wanted to see what emerged from that kind of around these themes that we were interested in um, and so filming on iPhone, to answer your question, was was the only way to really do that. And it allowed this this kind of lightness on our feet. It allowed us to kind of access lots of different people's perspective and mm-hmm. also explore what it means to, in the kind of, it's almost like a documentary vibe in that sense, to give these people agency to film their own night out and see what different people's version of that night is when they're totally in control of how we see their night. Yeah, for sure. And also there was a great thing about um, doing it on the phone. You, you could see how, like, even though you knew time had passed, you could see how the like the vibe of everything was changing and how everyone was feeling and without having to be like, you know, in some films where like because it's over a gradual period of time, you slowly get to it. I was like, oh, my God, this has happened. And then, oh, yeah, that does happen when people are drunk right, or right, right. when the D is involved. Because yeah. <laughs> we all know we yeah. <laughs> Um So I just want to talk about certain parts of this, uh, the film. So, you know, when they're on the uh, subway on the tube mm-hmm. and uh, Tam is getting like loads of weird looks yes. and well, why do you think that people still feel like they need to sort of give sort of judgment on that right yeah um, so to kind of explain the context in the film um, Tam is the, f- the kind of framing device around the night out on in the, the kind of Instagram story element of it um, is uh, a sequence of Tam on the tube, taking the first tube the next morning, watching this Instagram story back. Um, and yeah, at various points, kind of passengers that get on, give shoot certain glances and look at him in a certain way. So Tam at this point is wearing high-waisted denim trousers and uh, high-waisted, also known as jeans. <laughs> and um, <laughs> oh, yes, and like, high-waisted, the high-waisted denim trouser. Um, geez. And... Uh, a kind of really small white crop top and big hoop earring. Um, and yeah, why do people kind of give give evils or kind of give weird glances when people are dressed in a way that isn't how they would dress? Um, I don't know, it's a big question. I guess like insecurity, looking down on something, feeling like it's inappropriate. Um, I think that really bothers me. And uh, that's definitely what part of this is about is that, you know, who's, it's no one else's business and if that's that person's particular kind of mode of self-expression, um, if that's just how that person feels best that day, you have no idea why someone dresses the way they dress. It might be the, how they feel most comfortable in their own body. Like get off, get off, you know, like give them, give them some space, let them do that. Um, I, yeah. And in those particular sequences, so we were filming it kind of documentary style at times. And so f- it was gorilla most of it um and so that particular those particular shots of people giving tam evils they are just passengers on the tube they're not they're not they're not cast um you know everyone was aware we were filming it was clear that we were filming in the space and that people were in the in the kind of eye the view of the of the camera so they were going to be seen and they, they were aware of that um and yet they're still kind of 
happily like scowling just at someone just because they're dressed a bit differently so yeah i don't know jeez that mm. i can't believe they were actual i mean i guess part of it's also them looking at this crew being like what are they doing but it's a i don't know i from the way you've described it that speaks to how i see it when i describe it. i think it's a it's a look i recognize right mm. yeah so, no of course and like uh, most people in this community or of any sort of minority know that look and you know mm. they can say that it was for the camera or whatever right. but you you know what that look is in the eye mm. um yeah yeah good i'm glad we're there. <laughs> excellent excellent thank Sorted. you so much right. thank you so much <laughs> where's my so, check yeah um, <laughs> it's in the mail <laughs> so there's a line that um tam's friend says to him when they're out and says him like oh tam doesn't um like hairy guys Yes. And Tam then comes back with being like, actually, one of my favorite lines. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah. I'm an equal opportunist. Oh, my is, God. Yeah. Which is, you know, he goes, I'm an equal opportunity employer. Yeah. I mean, 10 out of 10. <laughs> also, just to jump in and say, like, all the dialogue was improvised. Like, Tam, that is Tam's line. Like, Tam is a very funny human. Um, Tam. Yeah. <laughs> good work. Yes. Sorry. Um, no, 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 it's fine. Um, and yeah, even though Tam sort of like goes goes against what his friend's saying. There is some still sort of that in the like queer culture and in my experience with mm. gay men where there's like um, specifying what you like and sort of excluding everything else that you don't. And I just wondering what you thought about that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's it's uh, it's really tricky, isn't it? I think there's a kind of um, people have their um, particular preferences, um, sexual preferences. And um, I think there's it's just really this it's quite insidious right because it's very difficult to tell where a kind of completely um what's the word uh kind of inoffensive just matter of taste is playing out mm. versus some kind of slightly more insidious conditioning um in the context of the film um tam's friend that uh, dave is saying is saying that Tam's uncomfortable with going to the space, to this particular club that they've decided to go to as a kind of like second mm. wind in the night. They kind of go on to a second club um, because it's this like mask, masculine, like beefy, the clientele are like kind of beefy mask blokes. Yeah. Um, and Tam's pushing back at the idea of going there. And Dave says like, oh yeah, Tam, Tam doesn't want to go because he hates hairy guys. Mm. Um, and it's kind of gaslighting because, I mean, what's happening is Tam is uncomfortable because he will not fit in that space and not receive any kind of validation there. He'll be made to feel less than. And um, Dave is playing it as if it's Tam's fault for not liking the people that are going to be there. So, yeah, I think it's a kind of a double-edged moment that's that's quite tricky. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, I mean, it's those, they're tricky spaces, right? I always make a joke that gay clubs are like uh, a nature documentary. Like all you're missing is David Attenborough like on the balcony at heaven being like, the young twink approaches the other young twink. Oh my God, could yeah, you like, imagine yeah. that? If they were like, the muscle daddy stalks yeah. around the club <laughs> yeah. looking for a young yeah. vulnerable twink. Yeah, the twink's colours are too bright, the muscle daddy is put off. Like, it's, it's yeah, it's that level. Yeah, of, no, it's, totally you know, it's it. so non-verbal. And, yeah, it's that, that element of it where it's just kind of glances across a room, staking people out, like, looking people up and down, making decisions and, like, nothing being said and your entire person being judged and rejected or judged and accepted, whatever, um, in those spaces is so tense. Um, and that's, yeah, and that's kind of what Tam's article so, so kind of brilliantly describes is, um, his really difficult experience of being a femme black person going into certain kind of queer majority white spaces um, 
that are um and, and being made to feel less than or um kind of an exceptional body that is um out of place or put on a pedestal which is a different kind of stress um yeah yeah no it's you're totally right and like this whole like uh, like our generation now in particular like even with like tinder and grinder and all that stuff like it's so like this is the appearance and you can assume whatever you want from that and then you get like a bio to make yourself come across the best way you can right and then people are just gonna kind of make their own assumption anyway basically on like giving you like a split second yeah to like and yeah it's just something that i always find interesting yeah and then so then they get to the club um, they get to the club. Get to the club. Get into the club. <laughs> <laughs> into the club. <laughs> so they get to the club, and uh, the I'm guessing he's the club owner, um, or yeah. guy on the door is yeah. uh, turns around and he's like, "You're not coming in. Um, you're wearing a hoop." He says something like, "If you want to like, I'm very much paraphrasing, but um, if you uh, want to wear girls' clothes, then you can like fuck off with the girls yeah. who just left." Yeah, and it's this like even in like the queer community there's discrimination in like what is okay for us and i just like you said like uh tam feeling vulnerable in the place where he's like a black femme uh guy which is already like hard enough and mm. then to be sort of like ex- excommunicated <laughs> <laughs> banished yeah, yeah, yeah. from like your own place yeah yeah and i mean so in this instance he's, it's an earring um uh i don't know how much that speaks to the kind of xxl the, the club that we um were inspired by i don't know that's not i don't think that's quite their dress code i think it's more to do with like heels or like strappy tops and things like that um too much like maybe makeup as well um it's it's just it's obviously shit um i mean there it's it, you would hope that a queer space would be conscious of what it means to be policed um and to then get to the door and in that you know so say it's a crop top um be told well if you take it off you can come in so, so if you if you are happy to be partially naked um you know you can come in on the condition of your partial nudity then otherwise you have to stay outside and like your friends can go in but you can't it's um it's really problematic and it's what's the what message is that saying about um uh about feminine you know femininity or femme guys um it's it's kind of maintaining and um putting on a pedestal a kind of very strict notion of masculinity that is being celebrated and, and fetishized um at the very specific um uh what's the word kind of like home like the place where we we should all right. feel safe and welcome yes um you're going to there because they're like uh, where, whether you call them gay clubs straight clubs whatever yeah. but um i know that i don't mind going into clubs where it's majority straight but i feel more relaxed when i'm around people of yeah. my nature yeah so it's must have been really stressful time to go to there and then be like these this is my like haven and you're like telling me no right and yeah exactly and um and it's exactly and they're they're kind of doing something which is in their eyes just privileging a certain sexual preference but it's it's that it's at the expense of people um and it's also you don't you know certain things go under the radar maybe and you know if there are non-binary people in in that space or trans people in that space that um are then made to feel really uncomfortable as if at any point, you know, they might then be told that they're not welcome in that space. Um, it's, it, I don't know. And just the thing that particularly got under our skin was that whilst we were filming, because we filmed, we filmed over multiple nights over the course of about a year, um, XXL shut down. And then they 
were about to reopen um, and they were seeking funding, um, I think like local council funding, I'm not sure, um, but they were seeking funding and like release some decks about like what the space was mm-hmm. gonna be. And in their in their kind of little piece of writing, they said XXL is a like extremely important LGBTQ plus space um, that is like a linchpin of the community and a really important space for the LGBTQ plus community. And it's like you how dare you have the audacity to invoke like the importance of this space for um, lesbians, women who are not allowed into that space, um, uh, trans people. Um, when you actively exclude them and make them feel like shit um, and tell them that they're not welcome in that space or they're not desirable. Their bodies aren't desirable bodies and therefore they're not allowed in here. Um, it was, yeah, it was incredibly uh, hypocritical and problematic. Screw them. You were riled. <laughs> <laughs> you, she met. Yeah, no, but so, rightly so. Yeah. Like how that, that, yeah, that's really pissed me off because like, like you said, discriminating people um, based on their... Um, I use the word category, but I don't mean that. Where they fit on the spectrum of queer. present. And then turning around to be like, but when we need money. We're all here. Yeah, we're going to, you know, exactly. Yeah. Um, And there's two two things, right? Either they genuinely don't recognize the kind of the violence that that that, that, um, involves, uh, excluding certain people from the space, um, which is why they think they can say they're an LGBTQ plus club space because they don't recognize violence they're doing, in which case that's myopic and, and dangerous. Um, or they do, and um, that kind of adds, which is what I think, and it adds a whole extra kind of level of um, sinister behavior where they're, they're saying, like, we know what we're doing. Um, we're going to kind of celebrate the bodies we celebrate, exclude the people we exclude, and then take funding that's designed specifically to um, uh, fund spaces that are community spaces or spaces that are meant to serve a wider community than the one we're serving. That shit. Mm-hmm. That's annoyed me. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna end this interview now <laughs> and go cry. In the <laughs> so let's. I'm gonna move it on to a more. Well, I think it's more a more uplifting part. Sure. <laughs> let's talk about the sex. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> because there is so much. I have. There is so. Uh, there's. First of all, I wa- I watched this when I was um, in Cornwall, um, and I was sitting on a beach outside a little cafe. Stan. And was okay. um, perfect g- place. <laughs> giving a film a little watch, yeah. and then. <laughs> it all it, it all it goes down. So, question one: Yes, is it real sex? Oh, that's um means that it was well shot that you think that, but no. Okay. Um, and then my yeah, follow up question two. to that is: How do they do it? Right. Not like I know how gay I do, I know <laughs> so, how gay yeah. sex works. Like, when, two you, when two people love each other very much or don't know don't each other even at know all, each other at all. Just, yeah, met each other for three seconds yeah. or text you and said what up at yeah. two a.m. <laughs> they have the, the um, sex. This it happens. The sex they have. The they sex. have the sex. Love the it. intercourse. We had the incredible experience of working with a uh, intimacy coordinator. Mm-hmm. So. Um, we there was no rehearsal in our film because most of it was improvised except for that scene and um i think it shows from what you're saying which is great and i could to anyone that is shooting a sex scene um not only does it make your film significantly better to have a intimacy coordinator but i think it's a must um just in terms of making sure that actors uh feel um kind of safe and uh um oh so we we had this incredible experience of going off and working with um, an intimacy coordinator who um, took us through this process of um, allowing the actors to give each other consent to where they can touch on each other's bodies, mm-hmm. um, looking at references 
um, for like the way different people carry themselves. We're actually looking at like animals. They use animal. It's quite funny. They use um, footage of animals having sex and they talk about like what different animal you're channeling channeling um and it's a way of like having quite an explicit conversation without just problematically like looking at porn and which is like weird and anyway i'm really sorry i just yeah i know i just I know. need to get this out a second yeah yeah no, please it was yeah so was, does everyone have like a sex animal so like do we all have sex animals yeah and it was actually really yeah well yeah i think it's like also it's not that a person necessarily is a certain animal it's like within different dynamics between I people see. like you know that animal coupling acts in a certain way that you know some of them are quite aggressive for example and that becomes quite a good reference if you're trying to do some you know make us create a scene that's quite has an imbalance of power for example mm-hmm. um but yeah so in this instance we we're just like looking at different animals and um that served as our reference initially to start from and then it becomes this in, this process of uh, of blocking it but having kind of given full consent to bodies spoken about it to the to, until it's become really kind of de the electricity of it has slightly gone out of the room right it becomes just a really pragmatic conversation about like where you're going to stand how many times do you like thrust, like, thrust <laughs> into someone like w- uh, what turning point does do they in our context like ask for them to spit on it to get lube mm-hmm. and it becomes those things that would be like quite excruciatingly awkward maybe yeah. if you were just doing what they did in the past and just kind of turning up and be like, we'll just do it in the moment. Mm. And people come in and it's all very stressful and awkward. And then people come out of it having gone through something they probably didn't want to go through. Um, it completely kind of solves all of that. So it's incredible. So we were able to give really specific notes, block it really, really yeah. intricately. Um, and then give notes in the room and be like, okay, you know, a bit faster this time. <laughs> and it's a bit funny, but like it can be because no one's awkward or no one's embarrassed anymore. But also like, I kind of wish all sex was like that. <laughs> yeah, right. I feel like everyone would have that. Like, if you like, guys, we're going to do like an hour rehearsal. We're going to give notes. Yeah. And we're going to make sure everyone's comfortable and everyone's getting the things that they need. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's, but honestly, I, I'm trying to wrap my brain and think of a film that I've seen, which didn't have real sex in it, that it did, it literally, I was like, that is that is oh, the sex. I'm so, so it was great. It, it really, I'm so glad. It really came across. Yeah, well, we owe that entirely to our intimacy coordinator. And, um, uh yeah a funny funny side note is like trying to find a location and be like hello we would like to film in your bathroom it's totally above board and not what you're thinking but yes people will be having sex in a stall but it's not real sex but if you come in you are not going to think that it was it was it was um an experience it sounds yeah luckily i didn't have to have that conversation sorry i did (laughs) but But you just had to have it with me right yeah but you know you can you're fine yeah, okay. i can we can have those conversations Ask my exes that they won't say yeah that. um so with the sort of like sexual part of it um it it sort of leads me to this, uh uh the train of thought that um what game that's a horrible generalization i don't mean that what in my experience mm. i've seen sex does to uh men yeah and like it becomes this like almost like driving like animalistic animalistic force where mm. all of a sudden you don't you're not really aware of what's happening and all of this on your mind is the d mm. um thoughts yeah discuss. yeah thoughts discuss thoughts and discuss <laughs> explain 20 marks yeah um uh yeah i think um and the fun of slightly improvising elements and allowing the story to go off in different directions allowed for the different characters the different actors and their characters to kind of um push in certain directions based on what felt realistic to them having 
got to where we'd got in the story and having filmed what we'd filmed. Um, and so I think Dave does that so well, um, David Shields, and uh, there being this kind of switch moment where he's having fun and it's all about being part of the group and then slowly he begins to tunnel vision and what he's looking for is quite specific. And for a moment, maybe Tam represents that that kind of end point in his night and then actually... Um, for the kind of various reasons that play out in the film, he he like shifts his focus and and casts cruelly and quite like abruptly and horribly casts Tam aside and abandons him in a way that's um really unpleasant. Um, and yeah, I think they they kind of caught that really well, especially in terms of yeah that thing of kind of the D being cause, causing drama. Um, is just you know the choice to have the club owner who's initially been a complete arsehole to them both, end up being the person that sleeps with Dave. Um, I think it's just like that extra little twist of the knife, right? Yeah, absolutely. I would be pissed. Uh, yeah. But I, Tam handled it very well because I would be ticked. <laughs> I'd be dragging my friend out by the hair yeah, being like, yeah. you will never leave well, me. Well, I mean, if we're following an Instagram story, he has posted it online, which is problematic. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah actually, he has, of, yeah, he has like absolutely ripped uh, yeah, them. Which, yeah. And then also it gets to like the end and we always talk about this... Um, coming togetherness with like the gay community and stuff mm-hmm. but and obviously it starts with um tam watching the video with all his friends together but like it slowly like becomes you see the lonelier side of it and like also as well like you see the numbers of his viewers go down and i don't know if that was something that was internally in, mm. internally intentionally was it internally done <laughs> um but you just start feeling like oh this loneliness for him and like yeah. uh, how isolated sometimes it can make you feel when you don't feel like I know that I can say as like a mixed race gay man that like the number of times I've heard guys say like oh I don't um I don't I don't date black guys um oh nothing personal I just I'm not into black guys and you kind of just go oh yeah 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 it's quite personal actually it's actually real personal um but like you go into clubs where you first weren't in and then not only and then the club rejects you for how you look and then your friend rejects you yeah like yeah Stop. I mean it's it's quite a it's quite a bleak story and I'm like really conscious of wanting to like make queer films that are optimistic and I think kind of buoyant and made to feel queer people that otherwise might feel marginalized and alone feel um together and held um uh, and other films do that watch watch all our other films in our group because <laughs> we do do that to a promise but um yeah in this in this particular instance I think there's there's a seriousness uh, there's a severity to what happens and um uh that's there is, I think, hopefully, something quietly redemptive in like his complicated, but that you know the revenge element of posting that guy the, the sex online, and there's like a there's a twisted empowerment that is, I guess, the question for the audience is like, do you feel that that's like, you know it's a problematic thing, obviously a very problematic thing to post someone else having sex online without their consent. Um, for that particular character you know has has your journey watching it led you to a point where you understand it and recognize that these things are really messy and like that was a gesture that he um made to to kind of regain a sense of power that he's that's been taken from him mm. quite cruelly um i don't know but so yeah i mean it's, it's it's definitely kind of on the on the bleaker end of how things end um there is something i think that is implicit intrinsic to tam which is a certain kind of inner strength and power that i find really um moving that i think he carries at the end there even though he is alone and clearly uncomfortable um i guess the question is whether you know we want to 
stop people having to just have that reserve and hold themselves together and be more conscious of them and um create you know spaces that are more sensitive to that kind of microaggressive exclusion that people experience in those clubs and spaces no I totally get it and you can definitely feel that um well, I know I talk about that loneliness, but also that like strength that he's like he's by himself and he's just gonna he's just processing it in his own way. So yeah. you definitely feel that. Mm. I'm really sad to say that we're running out of time now because I'm really enjoying this. And you know, just it's been such a it's good right. Time. We'll do date two yeah. in Islington, right? And that's the other podcast. We'll figure it out. Yeah, this never happens. Don't ask me to go to date two, so I don't really know what to say to that. <laughs> no, it's been great. I just have one last question for you, sure. and then we can wrap up. Will you give me a five star rating on my Uber? Oh my God, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. And there's like much. those little things that you can choose underneath as well, like good conversation. Thank you. A solid drop off. Thank all you. All those things, yeah. Cheers. No Honestly, it's been so great having you. It's been such a pleasure. Thanks Guys, for Guys, thank you for tuning in and listening to us. He's been Nick. He's been Nick? You haven't been Nick. Depends on the day. Uh, Sometimes I'm Nick. Nick. You've been, I don't even know who is Nick. Yeah, actually, gone down. yeah, that's it. He good hasn't point. been Nick. Yeah, zero who's stars on Uber. Sorry, who is Nick? My, hmm. Have you interviewed a Nick? Yes! Well, there we go. Oh, God. Sorry, Nick. Can you call me? Which, oh, I don't know whether that means he's not memorable enough or he's so memorable that he's like... This won't make me. the edit anyway, so I'm not even stressing about this too much. Thanks, guys, for subscribing and tuning in. He's been Marco. I've been human. <laughs> oh, my God. You got your own name wrong now. Right. Should we just do a Trixie and Katia? No, Thanks yeah. for tuning in. I've been <laughs> Michelle Gomez. This is And I'm Taylor Swift. <laughs> Let's try one more time. <laughs> Thanks, guys, for subscribing and listening. He's been Marco. I've been using humor as a defense mechanism. We hope to see you soon. And thank you for listening. Bye, guys. Bye. I'm still Marco. Are you still Marco? I've not been Marco. I'm like still Marco. You, well, yeah, I get that. But still, you've been, you have been, I have been Marco, Marco up until this point. Yeah. I'll continue to be Marco hereafter. But, uh, Fine. <laughs>